From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Gattaneo! Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, boy. Wow. Thank you very much. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Ah. I love that welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here in another edition of the Queens New Yorker. It is Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all of my Mexican friends out there and all those people who eat Mexican food, whether you're Latino, whatever the case may be, you're celebrating on this day, Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. But today it's episode 88, and it's part four of the history of the independent system or the ISS as well, as we like to call it. Either way, shape, or form here, we are grateful for you because you have continued to support this channel in all that you have come over here with the comments and the wonderful thank yous, and we appreciate that. So from all of us here, I tell you, thank you so much for it, and uh we we don't know what I don't know what I could say. I'm I'm just speechless right now. But I thank you very much because without you, this channel would be non-existent. I don't take the credit. All the credit goes to the subscribers and of course those who follow us on a regular basis. So you are part of the family and we welcome you to that family. Today on our show, we're going to be looking at mainly the decline of the IND. There's always a low point in some of these uh uh you know, the system, but the system itself had a decline, but then, of course, it bounced back up like everything else. So we'll look at that. But also, too, I have a shout out to give today to a great subscriber who just subscribed to me a couple of days ago, and she's from Brooklyn, New York, but she's all soul and heart, and she is, I guess her name is Jill. And she runs Jill's Comfort Zone, and I saw one of her great recipes of collard greens and turkey tails. So uh, as much as I'm a New York native New Yorker but have been living down here in Florida for 25 years, I love soul food. I love collard greens. I love, you know, uh, cornbread and just fried chicken and all the good stuff. Never had turkey tails, but. She says it was delicious. So we're giving you a shout-out today, uh, Jill, with your page. We'll give you a link to that page so that way you can see her great page. Go visit her. Go share some love. Send some hugs. And, uh, you know, and if you're a native New Yorker and you're part of that area, great. If not, she still has some great recipes to share. So thank you, Jill, for all you do. Let's give her a round of applause for Jill's Comfort Zone, everybody. Yes, another great 
real channel on YouTube. No fakes there. Absolutely not. Oh yeah, she uh, she deserves it. She's got a good following of over seven hundred and forty-six subscribers herself. She's on her way to a thousand as well. So why not, right? Let's get it going here. We're only six away from eight hundred, and two what? Less than two hundred and four away from a thousand, folks. If you haven't subscribed to the Queens New Yorker channel, what are you waiting for? Please join the family. You know. We'd love to have you as part of our our continuing family of committed subscribers. All right. So not much as far as comments because I've already given the shout outs. But, of course, we have our news of the weird. And it's, of course, part of the week of May 1st, which goes all this week up to May 8th. The next article or the next uh, news, weird news, has a title called Quick Thinking. And it has to do with a 37-year-old named Eliza Ruth Watson. She raises chickens in Gray, Maine. So she's used to seeing foxes nosing around. But as she worked in her garden on April 23rd, the fox she spotted didn't run when she tried to scare it off by hollering and waving her arms. Instead, the animal lunged toward her, ready to attack. Now, thinking back on it now, the fox was a mangy, stanky fox, Watson told the Sun Journal. She responded by kicking it, but it kept coming back, and I kept kicking it. Finally, Watson grabbed the fox around the neck, and as it fought back, she shoved it into a large pot used for scalding chickens, sealed the lid, and called 911 and her husband (laughs) at the hospital. She received five rabies vaccinations. People kept asking, Are you the one who wrestled the fox? Uh, She said, it's certainly not what I expected to spend my day. (laughs) It's not how she expected to spend her day, and so she is a hero for that. Yeah. Boy, five rabies vaccinations. Yeah. That's some serious stuff there. But I'll tell you, she's one heck of a fighter. Thank you, Elizabeth Ruth Watson for saving your chickens and kicking foxes' butts to the ground. (laughs) All right. Let's now look at what we're here for today, which is the decline of the independent subway system. And then this is going to go on for a while. We've got a lot of parts of this. I told you there's going to be at least 20 to 30 episodes just on transportation alone. And we're already 16 episodes in with all the history that we've had to put in through the the IRT, the BRT, the BMT, and the IND. Once we get to that, we're going to go on to buses next. We're going to talk about the private companies that once ran through the streets of New York City. Okay, going now to the Wikipedia, picking up where we left off, the free encyclopedia. The decline, or the originally planned IND system was built to the completion of its original plans after World War II ended. But the system then entered an era of deferred maintenance in which infrastructure was allowed to deteriorate. In 1951, a half-billion-dollar bond issue was passed to build the Second Avenue subway. But money from this issue was used for other priorities and the building 
of shorter connector lines, namely a ramp extending the IND Culver line over the XBMT Culver line at Ditmas and McDonald Avenues in Brooklyn of 1954, allowing the IND subway service to operate to Coney Island for the first time. The 60th Street Tunnel Connection, linking the BMT Broadway line to the IND Queens Boulevard line, and the Christie Street Connection, which was built in 67, linking the BMT line via the Manhattan Bridge to the IND 6th Avenue line. A lot of connections. By January of 1955, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority could theoretically raise $1.25 billion effective immediately. That's the equivalent to $11,930,000,000 million, billion in 2019. But in his 1974 book, The Power Broker, Robert A. Caro estimated that this amount of money could modernize both the Long Island Railroad for $700 million and the Hudson and Manhattan Railroad for $500 million, with money left over to build the 2nd Avenue subway, as well as proposed extensions of subway lines in Queens and Brooklyn. However, Robert Moses, the city's chief urban planner at the time, did not allow funding for most mass transit expansions in the New York City area. Instead, building highways and parkways without any provisions for mass transit lines in the future. Caro noted that the lack of intention to mass transit expansions and routine maintenance contributed to the decline of the subway. When Robert Moses came to power in New York in 1934, the city's mass transportation system was probably the best in the world. When he left power in 1968, it was quite possibly the worst. Soon after, the city entered a fiscal crisis. Closures of elevated lines continued, and these closures included the entire IRT 3rd Avenue line in Manhattan in 1955, and the Bronx in 1973, as well as the BMT Lexington Avenue line in 1950, and much of the remainder of the BMT Fulton Street line. The downtown Brooklyn part of the BMT Myrtle Avenue line, 69, and the BMT Culver Shuttle in 75, all in Brooklyn, and the BMT Jamaica line in Queens, starting in 1977. The BMT Archer Avenue line was supposed to replace the BMT Jamaica line's eastern end but it was never completed to its full extent and opened in 1988 as a stub end line terminating at Jamaica Center. Now, in addition, construction and maintenance of existing lines was deferred and graffiti and crime were very common. Trains frequently broke down, were poorly maintained, and were often late, while ridership declined by the millions each year. As in all of the city, crime was rampant in the subway in the 70s. Thefts, Robberies, shootings, and killings became more frequent. The rolling stock was often graffiti painted or vandalism damaged both inside and outside. And as the New York City Police Department was completely overwhelmed, the public reacted with unease and the subway was deliberately avoided. Around 1980, the reliability of the vehicles was a tenth of their reliability in the 60s. 40% of the network required speed restrictions because there had been no further studies of the subway since 1975, one-third of the fleet was out of use during rush hours due to serious technical defects. And in addition, signs were lifted or fitted incorrectly, and spare parts were missing or were 
bought in too large quantities. They could not be found or could not be installed due to lack of repairmen. The New York City subway tried to keep its budget balanced between spending and revenue, so deferred maintenance became more common, which drew a slow but steady decline of the system and rolling stock. Furthermore, the workers were consolidated into the Transport Workers Union in 1968. The pension was set up, and workers were allowed to retire after 20 years of service without any transitional period. And about a third of the most highly experienced staff immediately retired, resulting in a large shortage of skilled workers. Only in the 1980s did an $18 billion financing program for the rehabilitation of the subway start. Between 1985 and 1991, over 3,000 subway cars were overhauled and fitted with air conditioning. In this way, comfort, reliability, and durability would be increased in order to postpone new purchases. The TA only replaced the oldest cars each division, so that despite the fact that the fleet was overraged, the TA bought only 1,350 new vehicles. Increased patrols and fences around the train yards offered better protection against graffiti and vandalism. And at the same time, the TA began an extensive renovation of the routes. Within 10 years, the tracks were thereby renewed almost system-wide. The Williamsburg Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge, which had strong corrosion damage, were refurbished over the years. The renovation of the stations was initially limited to security measures, fresh paint, new lighting and signs. But the TA also tried to improve the service that had been neglected. And this ranged from new uniforms and training for the staff to correct destination signs on the rolling stock. Some subway services were also adapted to the changing needs of customers. Another stated goal was to reduce crime or at least an improvement in the subjective sense of security. At night, the railway police and members of the Citizens Initiative Guardian Angels, formed in 1979, patrolled in the subway trains. It was not until the 90s that the crime in the city and its subway declined significantly. And, of course, that's a look at the decline part of the IND. Next time on the program, which will be Thursday, May 7th, will be episode number 89. We'll look at the late 50s and early 1960s and a program for action. That program for action takes us all the way to deferred maintenance and a whole lot more as we go along on this journey of the independent subway system. Well, I hope you're having a great time with us here on the program, folks. The series is really taking off, and we really appreciate all you do when you come over here and watch and look at the pictures that really give you a historic look at the subway system. Because without the subway system, folks, you wouldn't be able to get around. And if it wasn't for all this great information being here that the Wikipedia has given us, well, I guess there just was no reason to know where it all came from. If you have a thirst for knowledge and you're enjoying this program series, please comment below, give us a thumbs up, and also, too, if you have not yet subscribed to the Queens New Yorker and you'd like to become part of the family, click that subscribe button, hit it, and get that ding-dong bell because that'll give you notifications as to when 
we're going to be uploading. Remember, we upload every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We have a live Q&A session every Friday with great guests from New York, all over the place, and, of course, you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jason DeCanio. And remember, be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. And don't be a nut monkey, because nut monkeys do not tell the truth. And neither do flying monkeys either. You know? Oh, yeah. You know? Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, folks. Have a great day. We'll see you on Thursday for the Queens, New Yorker. Bye for now. You have been watching the Queens, New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio internet presentation. Thank you for your support.
Thank you.